wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Hi, everyone, and welcome to A Quirky Journey. I'm Joe Witten, your host, and today I don't have with me Fuad Kassab, my co-host, which is very sad, but he is away in Lebanon visiting his family, which is awesome for him and them. So um, we're on our own today, so we thought we'd do a bit of a girly podcast and um, answer some questions about women's health and hormones and fertility and the pill and ovulation and PCOS and hormone imbalances. I said that, didn't I? PMS and gut health and these sorts of things because um, we do get a lot of questions about this kind of thing and I have the perfect person to answer them and her name is Nat Kringidis and probably a lot of you have heard of her. She's an amazing... um, hormone specialist. I think that would would be what you would call her. She will explain more about what she does in a minute, but um, she's a doctor of Chinese medicine. She's an acupuncturist, an author, speaker, and a natural fertility expert. Um, And she also has a clinic in Melbourne, a women's health clinic called the Pagoda Tree. And um, she's the producer of Health Talks TV. So um, I've heard Nat speak a few times and she's really down to earth, very genuine person. You know, sometimes you go to these um, seminars and talks and things and you meet speakers and you sort of think, are they even real? Because <laughs> they just seem so far away from um, your life. But Nat is really down to earth and I just loved her from the first moment I met her. She's just so easy to talk to very, very helpful. Um, so if you have any kind of women's health issues that you need someone to talk to and you're not getting any luck with the practitioners you're talking to or you're, you're having struggles trying to get some help, Nat is a great person to talk to. And if you go onto her website, she will explain in the podcast. Um, but if you go onto her website, you'll learn a lot about women's health and there's a lot of free stuff on the site. There's also ebooks that you can buy on her site that don't cost very much and give you a really good basic understanding of all the different issues that women have with their health. Um, And so she'll explain about that. But I just want to say that um, when we say it's about hormones and fertility, um, we don't just mean fertility as in trying to have a baby. Um, A lot of people associate fertility with pregnancy, but being more fertile can actually improve your general health and well-being. So even if you're not wanting to have a baby, um, just working on your hormone health and your fertility will actually increase your overall health. So this is something that's really important for women and I think also for young women because they don't always realize the importance of these things until they suddenly get to the stage of wanting to have a baby and then they are really struggling because they haven't looked after their hormonal health, they haven't looked after their gut health, um, and they they just are really starting off on the back foot. So um, if you've got teenage girls, this is a great podcast to get them to listen to. Um, there's also a book that Nat wrote. It's in my bookcase, and I'm just trying to see if I can find it. She will talk about it. Um, well and Good, it's called. That's a great one to um, buy, which she will she will have that um, in the notes on the podcast um, because it's it really easily explains women's health issues and what to eat to be healthier with your hormone health, how to explain things um, simply for your daughters. Um, it's something that um, 
you know, I think is really important. And, you know, the education that kids get at school really doesn't cover a lot of this stuff and they don't understand it. And then they're sort of chucked into it in the deep end and um, don't know what to do. And I know um, I was told a lot of misinformation from um, professionals, so-called professionals. <laughs> well, I guess they were professionals, but maybe they didn't have the knowledge back, you know, when I was growing up um, that they have now. Like Nat says, a lot of things change over the years and I was given some information that was did not help me at all. Um, and it's, you know, things that we have to work through later in life because we didn't know we didn't know things earlier. So this is something that's very important for young women. Also, for those of you who are older, going through menopause, there's lots of um, help with that kind of thing as well. So we've answered a lot of questions that people posted in the chat groups and the gut health groups on Facebook because I asked the question if any women had some um, women's health questions. So we've answered as many of them as we can. Um, there was a lot of questions, so we didn't get through quite all of them. Um, but we can get Nat back. So if you have more questions, um, please send us an email at help at quirkycooking.com.au and we can, you know, we can do another podcast sometime and um, answer some more questions. And um, also make sure you pop over to Nat's um, Facebook page, Nat Kringidis, um, because she will be able to answer some, a few things on there as well. All right. So before we get started, I just want to mention... Um, some of you may have heard the news from Solid Technics, our sponsor, that they're no longer producing the cast iron pans, um, which we love. And so we were a bit sad about that. But the good news is that they are um, producing a new range of Oz iron pans. So um, some of you have mentioned that you found the cast iron a bit heavy for you. Well, the same pans that they're producing in cast iron, they have been producing in cast iron, they're looking at producing in the Oz iron, which is um, lighter and it's easier to get produced here in Australia with Australian steel. So that's an exciting development. Keep an eye on their website and Facebook page, Solid Technics, um, because there's a lot of exciting things happening there and we are going to post some photos and videos very soon on the Quirky Cooking Facebook page to keep you all um, updated on what's happening. So if you would like to buy any Solid Technics pans, there may be still a few of the cast iron range left. Um, so you can look around in the different stores that sell it. We have a link for you, uh, quirkycooking.com.au slash solid. And you can use the code 10QCP, quirky cooking pans, QCP, um, and that will give you 10% off if you buy Solid Technics pans through that link. Okay, um, and we'll also mention our other podcast sponsor, the lovely Walida, who we absolutely adore. Um, I, You might have seen, if any of you follow me on Instagram, do you follow me on Instagram? You should totally follow me on Instagram because we have a lot of fun over there. Um, we have, you know, the, the stories and the live videos as well as all the... Instagram's more my behind-the-scenes kind of... Um, place that I post sort of everyday stuff that doesn't get onto Facebook because um, I don't like to bombard people too much on Facebook with my private life. But Instagram's a bit more, um, you know, a bit more behind the scenes. And uh, I had a box arrive in the mail from Walida and I posted a photo on Instagram so you can have a look at that. There's just so many beautiful products that I love. So I got a new stash of um, the Rose range. So 
If you haven't tried that, oh my goodness, it's beautiful. This The soothing facial lotion, I use it every morning under my makeup and um, it's totally non-toxic. It's very light um, but very moisturizing and I actually have a, a non-toxic foundation, makeup foundation that um, I bought a couple, you know, a little while ago and it was too dark. And I thought, oh my goodness, this thing cost me so much money. I can't just throw it out. And so I've been thinning it down with the, um, the soothing lotion, the Rose Willita soothing lotion. And, um, it's perfect. So there you go. You know, you just never know what you'll be able to use, (laughs) use these for. Um, so you should really check out Willita. They have such gorgeous products. And as you probably have heard us talk about before, um, they are all natural, non-toxic, completely safe. They're probably edible. I don't know. They're just um, made from plant botanicals. They're organic. They're biodynamic. And um, the, the oils in the plants are, you know, taken out to produce these beautiful products. So have a look on their website, walida.com.au. And if you use the code QUIRKYJOURNEY, you will get 10% off your order. And you can also get free shipping if you order um, $90 or over worth of products. So check that out. And also I should mention we're coming into summer. I don't know about where you live, but it's getting hot here. I've been out in the sun today and um, it's pretty hot and sweaty. Um, But I don't smell because I'm using the awesome Walita deodorant. (laughs) So again, rose. I I love the rose deodorant. I also use the sage and sometimes the citrus. And they're in glass bottles um, and they're a beautiful deodorant that actually does work. So if you want a non-toxic body care range, have a look at Walita. Okay, so we're going to get started on this podcast because it's an hour long. Um, just remember, if you do have any questions that arise out of the podcast, feel free to either email us at help at quirkycooking.com.au or you can go over to Nat Kringidis Facebook page, which we'll put the link in the notes and you can ask on her Facebook page. I think you can message her and, um, she does have a lot of information on the website though. So have a look there first because there's, um, there's a lot that you can download and you can even do a free trial of her program for $1 for a week. So that may be something you'd like to try as well. Very happy to have Nat on the show. And Fuad will be back on the next podcast. And then we're off to uh, the Gold Coast for classes. I should mention, actually, I'll be down in Melbourne um, this coming week for the Gluten-Free Expo. So who's coming to that? Woohoo! Uh, my my assistant Emma and I will be running the quirky cooking stall with um, the life changing food cookbooks and quirky cooking tea towels and different things. So um, come and say hi. We'd love to meet you, and we just really want to get out there and talk to people that um, have had to you know work on their health and go gluten free and don't really know where to begin because that's what we love doing. So um, we'll be there if you're there. I'll also be doing a couple of classes for Thermomix in Melbourne on the 9th of October. Um, so I hope to see some of you there. That'll be, those will, um, those will be the quirky everyday masterclasses. And then, um, Gold Coast, um, life changing food seminars in Gold Coast, in the Gold Coast on the 20th of October. So you can find out about those on our events page on the Quirky Cooking blog. So just go to the tab that says events and click on that and you'll find out 
any classes that we've got coming up. We're booking in Brisbane, Sunshine Coast. Those are coming up soon as well. So keep an eye out for those. Okay, on to the podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Hello and welcome to A Quirky Journey. And today we have the wonderful Nat Kringidis. Hi, Nat. Hello. How are you? I'm so good and I'm really happy to have you on the show because we've got lots of questions for you. <laughs> lots of lady part questions, yeah. I'm sure. Heaps. <laughs> Boy, I don't think there's a woman I know that won't have a question for you. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> but don't worry, I didn't I didn't get all of their questions, so we'll just we'll go for an hour. <laughs> no problem. I think that because we're so complicated, that tends to be the case. We've all got something we could ask a question about. I think so, but a lot of the questions will overlap. So I think the best thing to do would be, first of all, to get you to tell us a little bit about you and what you do and your story and how you started, you know, getting into the line of work that you're in, because um, that will probably answer a lot of questions even <laughs> straight away. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I am by trade a doctor of Chinese medicine and um, I have been practicing in clinic for around 14 years now. Mm. Um I've since then really have stepped into the space of women's health and, you know, really tried to learn as much as I can, not just based on clinical experience, but also just keeping my finger on the pulse with what's coming through. Because mm. as you're aware, you know, the more you learn, the more we learn from even a physiological perspective, the more we discover we don't actually know. Oh, and what we so thought true. was you know, what we thought was gospel two years ago is now outdated and, mm -hmm. and no, not the case anymore. And so I guess, if, you know, we look at how that evolved. I never, ever, ever chose women's health, let me tell you right now. That it was, chose you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was the last thing I wanted to treat. I had women that were just flooding our clinic. I was a very inexperienced practitioner um, and loads of women asking for help with their fertility in particular. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to help them. I didn't have the school, the skills. I never learned it at uni. Um, and I remember one day saying, I never want to treat women's health. It's too hard. I don't understand what's wrong with these women. Um, and never it's just say not never. my <laughs> I know, right? Um, but I guess what happened was that just so many women, it was, I could not turn my back. You know, mm. I had to actually start to listen to what they were asking for. And so I decided that if you can't beat them, join them <laughs> <laughs> and really start to explore some of the reasons why so many women were finding themselves in hot water with their hormones. And this is, you know, maybe around 10 years ago, I guess. Um, and things have certainly changed in that time. But yeah, I really started to explore that, look into it further, um, get curious, uh, use patience as guinea pigs um, <laughs> with them knowing, yes. with their knowledge. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually I had this epiphany, I guess, that um, why wait till it's broken? If we started mm. to reach out to young women and educate them about their bodies, perhaps I wouldn't be yeah. You know, dealing with these heartbroken women who would say things like, if only I had known what you're telling me now yes. 10 years ago. And, you know, I think it's a really common um, belief process is sort of like, well, well, if I had known, I wouldn't have done it. But exactly. also, well, you didn't know and you're not the only one. And is there so many people and women in the same boat and to, to go gently and be kind because it is there is a lot of information and we have been misled, unfortunately, mm. and I don't. 
really think that we can point the finger at any one person about that. I think that there's lots of contributing factors. But really the other thing I, I needed to do, my, my trade is Chinese medicine and it's a very obviously old form of medicine mm-hmm. and it works fabulously. But, um, you know, when we integrate that into m- modern treatments, um, I found that it, it's not that it was missing the mark, but for example, if someone has no magnesium, they have no magnesium. No amount of acupuncture is going to change that. Yeah. So I decided that integrating mm. um, both Eastern and Western philosophy was probably something that I really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very hard as a Chinese medicine practitioner. I know lots of us um, have to battle with that because it's not our craft. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, that was a big part of uh, really getting some great progress and results with women was when I actually started to integrate the two together. Mm. And so I made that really what the clinic was about. You know, we have a boutique-style clinic here in Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, and I really wanted women to feel like they would come for an experience, not just a diagnosis, mm. Um and to really take their health on as our problem um, over the course of several months as we start to treat that. And that's where we are now. This is how we got to where we are and oh. lots of things have happened since, but it's really good. And you've got a couple of podcasts. Yeah, we've got so many things. <laughs> Come on, tell <laughs> us. I'm trying to do that down, you know, but at the moment we do. We have a couple of podcasts and we're very excited. We're just about to go on to podcast one, which is really exciting. We've been picked up by... Um, that new network so that's what you know I mean any minute now Um, and yeah I do another podcast out of the US and I think the main one of the most exciting things we've got at the moment is um, our membership we've created a membership Mm -hmm. I just wanted to create a safe place for women to come to be curious to ask questions to be able to tap into some of my knowledge but also feel supported by other women because I think that's actually where the biggest disconnect has mm, been. I agree. We've decided that, yeah, we've decided that we need to go alone and that, A, no one else could possibly be experiencing what mm-hmm. we might be and, you know, we're ashamed of our diagnosis or we're embarrassed to admit that we might have fertility issues or we've had a miscarriage or all of these things tend to get swept under the carpet mm. yet the person has to still deal with it and um, that's really why we created the membership was to give people somewhere that they could come and feel supported but really look at a broad range of things under the one roof. So that's so much fun. That's where I really love to dedicate my time and within that we have another podcast as well. (laughs) There's a lot. There's a lot, and we're just in the midst of writing a new book. So there's oh. a few. I mean, look, the thing is, there's lots of different ways that we are helping women to take charge of their hormones, awesome. and I think that's the most most important thing. Yeah, it really is. Um, please make sure you send me all the links to the podcasts and books and things, and we'll just put them in the show notes. In that way, Amazing. we don't have to confuse yes, anyone, it, and everyone can have a no. look. And um, love it, but it's all. Um, so is there different focuses for the different podcasts or? So one of the podcasts that I'm on is called The Period Party. Mm-hmm, that's, that's right. That's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> it's a period. Um, we just started off that, that as something fun and then lo and behold, um, people actually listened, <laughs> uh, which is really interesting. And now, you know, there's literally not a day that goes by that someone doesn't say to me, oh, so I listened to this episode such and such on The Period Party. I'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Isn't that awesome when you hear someone actually listens? It's like, woohoo. <laughs> Like, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> um, so that's really 
really fun, and I do that with a you know a beautiful um, woman in the US. Her name's Nicole Jardim, and she it goes by the title of the Period Fixer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's making some pretty big waves over there. So that's very exciting. And then my um, local podcast is The Wellness Collective and that is with a radio, actually with a radio host. So I grew up and we got a radio host. That's very, Whoa. very big. That's <laughs> awesome. Right? And she plays devil's advocate with me all the time, but we generally have a guest on that show yeah. um, and that's a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, it, that's just really more all sorts of topics. It's not specific yeah. necessarily to women's health. It's just health. Um, it's just health mm-hmm. in general and we try and make it funny and fun and, you know, have a go at each other. It's pretty fun. Um, and the <laughs> other one that we generally do is for the members. So that's a that's um, something that is closed away for the members yeah. and exclusive for them just to give them a little bit more mm-hmm. um, content. But, yeah, they're all the things we do. It's really good. That's good. Well, um, when you first started getting into Chinese medicine, was what was the reason for that? Did you have your own health issues growing up or were you really just interested in it? I grew up in that house that for birthday parties, the kids would roll their eyes because it was full of what we would put in inverted commas, health food. <laughs> and I remember mum would make, you know, fruit men and <laughs> I would be mortified I'd be like Mom, please can we just have the rubbish food just for the birthday party and she'll be like no way Aww. so I grew up in a house where health was an absolute priority mm-hmm. food was medicine oh, and awesome. um I know my mum lost her mum at a quite a young age mm. and I think it really changed the way she looked at yep. her health and the health of her family so you know my mum being my biggest inspiration she is just one very determined clever woman and I guess it rubbed off however I mean I did for work experience I went and um, did work experience in both um, a natural with a naturopath and in a hospital Mm -hmm. which is kind of (laughs) um and when I started studying at uni um I moved away because I grew up in country Victoria Mm -hmm. and you don't really have the everyone moves away there's no option it's just what you do you 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 know you finish um year 12 and that's what happens Where, whereabouts in um, victoria i was born in country in, victoria in, oh are you in mildura i was born in echuca how are you yeah. there you go we're, <laughs> we're practically sisters <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. um yeah so you know i moved away from home and it was like a license to eat whatever yeah. i wanted whenever i wanted mm. and you know i know my mum used to always say my sister would be the death of her because she had a very sweet tooth and <laughs> she'd always try and get away with you know eating things that she mum would yeah. say that she shouldn't and I was sort of I don't know it didn't interest me as much but when I did move away I had a KFC right around the corner oh my goodness KFC was my downfall too when I went to uni right. those chips and it was like <laughs> I knew it's the chips and the zinger burgers it would be like daddy break zinger burger chips and yeah. You know, I gained quite a bit of weight and found myself with pretty hefty period pain each and every month. Oh, my goodness, Um, so did I, but I didn't gain weight. I lost it. Right. Well, I Mm. just goes to show how constitutionally we're all different. Um, But I remember at one point being in so much pain, I would be doubled over on the bathroom floor and it would be alternating between (laughs) vomiting and passing out. Oh, what? Just epic. So passing out, wow. I would pass out from the pain and then come back to it again. And and I remember just, you know, uh, I don't know what the turning point was. I think it probably was weight-driven. And I was studying health, but I was studying um, 
health science at the time that didn't really lead anywhere, but it was a good lead in. Mm. Um, and I remember deciding, oh, you know what, I'm actually going to try and get, you know, a little bit more fit and healthy. And, and even this is like, you know, 20 years ago, mm. let's be honest, more actually. <laughs> um, and uh, my idea at the time as a young woman of healthy was, you know, um, salad rolls mm -hmm. with a heap of bread <laughs> and just avoiding the KFC and trying to drink more water. Like that's what I yeah. knew. So, you know, that worked to a degree and I did lose weight and my periods certainly became better. But it wasn't actually until I started studying Chinese medicine that I recognised, you know, the imbalances that were existing in my body and, mm. and things that I could do to change them. Having said that, I could not swallow Chinese herbs if my life depended <laughs> on it. Like they were so vile and foul. And, <laughs> and so you went you know, and prescribed them for other people. <laughs> well, this thing, right, I couldn't. And and I remember being really sick and going to the herbal clinic and they prescribed me these raw herbs and I was all excited and I went home and my gag reflex, I, <laughs> I literally <laughs> – <laughs> dry wretched and it came through my nose oh. and everything I was like oh my goodness I cannot do this like I actually cannot do this so it was very interesting and and I guess um even though I continued to study Chinese medicine I reckon pretty early on I knew there had to be another way because <laughs> it was pretty bad um and so I guess you know we do what resonates with us yeah. and that's what attracts other people that are like us mm -hmm. to us. And so definitely in the clinic, I never stocked raw herbs. I was like, oh, my goodness, I cannot expect anyone to do that if I can't <laughs> do it. Um, and so from very early on, we have always used patent medicines. Um, we started off with dry herbs. Um, ground herbs but that didn't really work I couldn't get people to really take them but they were a great alternative mm -hmm. for me and then we moved into other things and now you know I'm very less is more I'm like I need someone to go and take the least amount of things to get a result oh, because that's awesome it's the world we live in yeah yeah the harder it do. is the less likely it's gonna I, I remember spending hundreds of dollars at the naturopath early on and I'd go back a month later for a checkup and he'd be like, well, did you take your herbs? And I'm like, um, I, I tried. And he's like, well, you know, you're not actually going to get well unless you do it. And I'm like, oh, I hate taking this stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, the thing is too, when we actually start to take something and we feel better very quickly, then we keep yeah. on doing it. And I think that's really yeah. what I aim for with each and every patient. That's if I good. can say, okay, here's two things. We're going to start with these two things. Yeah. Uh, I think that's possible in their mind. They're like, yeah, I can do that. Yes. I can do two things. That's and good. if I have them feeling better in three or four days, then they're going to be like, oh, my goodness, is it a coincidence I'm sleeping better? Oh, my bowels are moving, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they'll keep on doing it. And they'll always say, oh, I don't know if it's the, the supplements or not, but I'm <laughs> feeling like 80% better. I'm like, yeah, well, unless any something else changed. You know, it's very interesting. We sit and we wait for our bodies to change, yet we don't do anything oh, different in the meanwhile. That is so true. And, you know, it's, it was, I find it wild that we – and it's because I guess we live in hope. Yes, that that's tomorrow exactly will be what better. it is. When I yeah. – like I can be taking supplements or whatever. When I get a cold, I don't want to take anything. I just want to – you know, I just – I don't know. It's like my, my brain switches off and I'm like, oh, I just can't be bothered and I just lay in bed if I'm really sick with a cold. And I keep thinking, I'll get better. I'll get better. <laughs> I think to a degree we do have to rest and it's a really good thing to do yeah. but there are things that can That's help right. support us. Yeah. yeah, but I see this with patients all the time mm. that I think 
they just hope that tomorrow is going to be a better yes, day. That's and right. I do. I hope for them too. I certainly hope tomorrow is going to be a better day. But the reality you have is to do if, something. If, if you don't do anything different, it's probably going to be the same as today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I learned. Well, yeah. um, I love that. I love the way that you um, help women, and I've been to one of your talks in Cairns, which was awesome, and um, you've helped me a lot. So um, can, can I go ahead and start asking you some questions? Oh, oh please do. I please should probably me. say to you, maybe you pick a couple of the things that you get asked all the time first because you'll know what they are. Oh, sure. Well, so here's the thing I really get asked, and I wish there was an answer for this, but I'll try and answer okay. it in a roundabout way. What is the one thing? <laughs> People say to me all the time, what's the one thing I need to do? <laughs> if there was just one thing. We have adopted this idea. Like I want to make it really simple. Let's be honest about that. Simple I and fast. Make that very clear and fast. <laughs> but there is not one thing. There no. is no magic bullet. There is not if you – so I guess, you know, the common things that I'll be asked is I have period pain. What do I need to do? Or I have ovulation pain. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? They're very common yeah. for most women to have one or one or both of those mm-hmm. things. Um, and I guess the other common questions are around PCOS and endometriosis and we can move into those. But I think for most women, I would say 90% of my patients would be estrogen dominant and that is that they have too much estrogen in their body that is driving the rest of their hormones crazy. Now, it can present in many ways. Like you said before, some women will gain weight, others will lose it. Mm. It just depends on their constitution. Yeah. Um, and this is when it can be really useful to recruit someone that can see the things that you can't however I know that with some pretty simple changes you can get your estrogen down in your body very quickly Mm. and I say not only this is something that you can do you actually must because Mm. we are living at a time where women's cancers are at an all-time high and we're sitting here scratching our head wondering why that is we're wondering why so many women are having fertility issues depressions that are high anxiety all Mm. of these things and it's very often is linked back to too much estrogen in our body and it's the life we live you know we're very um, overworked we're often stressed and stress is many things stress isn't just you running late to pick up your kids from school stress is you know how well your gut is assimilating or what your gut permeability might be like or if your liver is detoxifying your hormones properly or if your emotions are where they should be at or you know do you wake up every day and look in the mirror and think man you look foul because that isn't really sending the best message back to yourselves and they hear everything you say and things this is I think is really important or it might when it comes to emotions it's such a wild and deep topic but it could be something that's happened to you in the past that you never dealt with because it was too painful Mm -hmm. or um I don't know food intolerance is another very big one that we don't see as being stressful Mm -hmm. we just eat and you know if there's a result well great and if there's not and we don't feel good we might remove that food but it doesn't fix the problem so you know there's probably about I list for most patients between eight to twelve things that I think stress could be for them Mm. and then we work through that those things that I've just mentioned and some are more prominent than others but normally when you get the ball rolling a lot of them sort themselves out so I would say to patients all right you know one of the most simple things you can do is remove toxins from your home yeah. your makeup bag your beauty cabinet um your cleaning products it's not hard there's great substitute substitutes yes of course you can make your own um if you're like me and I don't make a priority to make my own because I 
choose to spend my time elsewhere, <laughs> I know I can still buy amazing green products yep. from the supermarket. Yep. And, you know, it's just whatever suits and, and, if it's and works. it's time or money that's the major issue for you. <laughs> totally, yeah. totally, exactly. That is so true. Mm. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't necessarily have the luxury of time, so I choose to mm. um, purchase. But not everybody needs to do that. And, and so... That is a very simple thing that you can do. But, you know, most conventional products contain at least 80 chemicals that interact and interfere with your hormone balance. Mm. And if you were to do that one thing alone, that would have a pretty remarkable impact yep. on your hormone health. So true. So I look at, I look at, I get people to do that. And even with things like makeup, um, you know, I am very much that person that I'm not going to switch out my makeup if, if whatever you're telling me to use isn't going to perform. I'm yeah. not interested. Yeah. Um, I want to use hair shampoo that feels like detergent on my hair. Like I just don't want to. Um, so I am very um, keen to find alternatives and there are so many good alternatives. We are so yeah. lucky. There is no excuse to have to use something that is full of toxins and chemicals. No. There's no need. Um, and most of these other products that we're talking about are really kind to the environment as well, which is really important too. So, you know, that's a really simple thing that we can start to do. Estrogen's also driven crazy from stress mm. um and you know we can't always control stress but there are certainly for the majority of us we we start to choose it as a habit because we chose it yesterday yeah and that's true you know we wound up in this this sort of vortex of choosing stress and we don't really need to so mm. i say, i say to patients all the time you know i've taught you a lot of things what's the one thing that stood out and they'll say to me when you ask me to get conscious of what I stress about and what warrants stress and what doesn't. Hmm. And I'm like, really? I feel like we've covered a lot of ground and that's all you talk about. <laughs> I <laughs> but think I, it's just such a major issue for everybody, really is. for it most people. Really, really is. It really yeah. is. So, you know, I think we need to actually stop and be able to catch what's going on in our brain and ask ourselves, hang on a minute. Does this actually matter? Am I going to lose a limb? Am mm -hmm. I going to lose a child? Like, does it actually yes. matter? Because I would say most of the time it doesn't mm -hmm. and most of the time we're just choosing stress because it gets the job done. And it's a habit. So it is. It's a really bad habit. Mm. So I get patients just to use five diaphragmic breaths to take them out of fight or flight, mm -hmm. into rest and digest, and I really love them to do them to do that before they eat um, because idea. it can be a reminder. And often we're not ready to receive our food. So yeah. I guess this comes back to the whole idea of giving thanks yeah. for what you're about to eat. Yeah, that's right. But I think like that was part of that, you know, that was part of um, good habits yeah. and self-care and nourishment your body and just checking back in and am I ready to eat you know or can I come down so I am ready mm -hmm. to eat and then I find I have less digestive issues yeah. and my bowels work better and I can assimilate the nutrients from my food yeah. wow yeah <laughs> who knew I remember so I guess that this I remember my naturopath yeah. telling me off for standing up and walking around while I ate you know when your kids are little and you just feel like you just don't have time to sit like it was mostly at breakfast and lunch dinner time we yeah. ate together yeah. But um, I, mean, I had to learn how to just sit and relax and take my time and eat breakfast. It makes a big difference. It really, really does. Mm. Um, and then I guess the other thing that other, as a tangible tool, patients ask me all the time, does it really matter what I eat? Ah, <laughs> and you can oh. maybe answer. Well, this is but, like our I mean, favourite subject. <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny because we want 
everyone wants me to say no. No, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but <laughs> it really person. does. I know. I remember when I interviewed Dr. Tom O'Brien for one of our podcasts. He's a very clever man yeah. all across autoimmune and gut health and he's um he's basically been able to prove that everybody has inflammatory yes. um, illness, yeah. you know. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of where, when yep. that shows up. Um, anyway, I remember him saying food is either of benefit or deficit. And I was like, mm. wow. wow, that is true. It makes you think about Food what you eat, doesn't it? I know, right? Like it, you wouldn't knowingly go to your daughter, hey, babe, I've got a plate of amazing whole foods or I've got that manky, you know, whatever, hot dog over there. <laughs> um, look, you know what, that one really is not really great. So, But anyway, you choose. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's sort of like we would never do to our daughters or sons so why would we do that to ourselves mm. I think we can choose better and I, I or, but at the same time I don't want people to put extra pressure yeah. on themselves either so the stress and so this levels is, go yeah. up yeah exactly mm-hmm. so this is where the 80 20 rule is yeah. really lovely and I think we still need to live our lives and enjoy our lives yeah. and you know really look at nourishing our bodies but I would say as a rule for women that want to balance their hormones fat and protein is essential at every meal um Fat and protein make your hormones. So mm. if you don't have them, you don't make hormones. Right. So I always say to patients, fat and protein at every meal. And really, where possible, warm cooked foods is mm-hmm. very Chinese medicine, but it makes the world of difference. Yep. Um, and all we're trying to do is place less load on the digestive system mm-hmm. so it can do its job. So I guess there are three things that really you can do to make inroads to your estrogen levels mm. to set yourself up for more balanced hormones, start to really think about the long-term effects of estrogen because it's not kind. Mm-hmm. But also, can I also say that estrogen's not the enemy. Okay. <laughs> we need estrogen. Without it, we don't make our other hormones. Yeah. So it's just about putting it into balance. And the reason that these things really, like chemicals and whatnot, it, it really are impacting us is because those chemicals actually mimic estrogen within our bodies. So mm. our body doesn't know the difference between its own estrogen and these external estrogen or fake estrogens that drive our estrogen crazy, our body just goes, oh, wow, more estrogen. It recognises it as estrogen and kind of adds it to the estrogen pile Mm. and we've got to get the estrogen pile down. Yes. Okay, that's awesome. Well, there's some good takeaways right there. We'll we'll recap at the end. But um, I think we'll we'll go on to some of these questions because – um, one of the questions that I got was about fertility and what's the best kind of diet to have if you're mm. trying to get pregnant. Yeah, so um, in my book, Well and Good, I talk through fertility to no end, mm-hmm. but I also use the tagline, fertility is not just about babies. Right. <laughs> fertility is about a thriving reproductive system no matter what age you are because yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't. It shuts down as we know it because we associate fertility with having a baby, mm-hmm. but it still keeps on working in different ways and this is where we can run into some trouble too if we perhaps have to have our ovaries or our uterus removed Um that can cause a whole lot of issues because our ovaries actually take on another role once we do transition through menopause. Ah. We can talk about it in a minute. Anyway, um, but when it comes to fertility as such, I I have foods that I specifically advocate for that have been used for years um, and like treats like. So, you know, if we look at something like when it comes, this is a funny example, but if you look <laughs> at figs, for example, mm. figs they heat in twos yes. and they look very 
like a part of the male anatomy. Um, and they, if you open them up, it's lots of little seeds inside and very much great for sperm and egg health. Yeah. So, you know, we start to look at foods, same with um, olives. They're really mm -hmm. high in antioxidants, really help to clean up um, damage from things like chemicals that I'm talking about mm. before. Um, there's lots of foods like that. I give loads of those examples in my book. But really, fundamentally, like I said, fat and protein at every meal, um, foods that work on supporting digestive health, mm -hmm. you know, probiotics, prebiotics and um, and collagen, anything that's going to help to make the gut wall nice and strong. Mm -hmm. Most of our infertility issues are due to inflammation in the body, yeah. which just comes down to leaky gut really. Mm. So um, really making sure that we're looking after the digestive system. Um, but the biggest thing I say to patients, it doesn't – fertility and food and that is very important – but the biggest thing you can do is shift your mindset to be ready for the baby. Mm. And I think a lot of people, they either want to sort of slit it into their daily life yes. and think, oh, yeah, you know, I like the idea of a baby. I'm not sure where it would fit, but let's do that because it's about that time in our lives. If yeah. we don't do it now, it's sort of never. we got to hurry up. Um, <laughs> yeah, we get told that. Yeah. And I, I think age is just a number and I really don't put much emphasis on it because I can have a woman who might be in her 40s in an amazing health. She yeah. could be potentially more fertile than a woman in her 30s who's not looking after herself. Yeah. It doesn't mean the woman in her 30s is infertile. It just means as it stands because there's high stress, poor diet, mm -hmm. maybe she smokes or whatever else, her fertility is not optimal and her body won't prioritize that. Yeah. So it's about it becomes a ranking order yes. almost and fertility is literally the last on the list. Yep. It's sort of like you don't need to survive so we might just turn that off um so i say to patients can you as of today please start to pretend and behave as if you're pregnant mm -hmm. if you're pregnant right here and now how would your day be different how would you wake up in the morning mm -hmm. how would you go to bed at night you rest would more. you be working at mm -hmm. eight o'clock would you you know would yeah. you make the same choices no you wouldn't no, actually that's right so if you want this to happen we need to replicate what we want to happen and you know we can apply this obviously to any any issue within yeah. our lives yeah. um, but we're very good on focusing on what we don't have yes and we're not very good at focusing on what we want so I get women to associate and I try and say okay well if you're pregnant how would that feel you know they probably feel excited maybe a little bit nervous but it would be a good nervous mm -hmm. um happy, whatever the emotions are and start to really tap into what it would feel like in your mind and really start to associate with those feelings rather than the opposite of that, which is, well, next door neighbour couldn't get pregnant, such and such says I have this much of a percentage of conception, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, and also you're not, I wouldn't personally want to be the average of the population. I want to be mm, the best. That's right. So, you know, once you start to move into this headspace and you start to nourish your body properly yep. and think good thoughts and really set yourself up for fertility, the other stuff doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if someone else, it mm. took them X amount of months or um, they needed IVF or whatever. It's your, it's your own mm. way. And that's all that matters. So how can we optimize that? But we are living at a time where fertility is compromised and for, you know, some of those reasons that I've just mentioned. Yeah. Someone did ask... Now, I have no idea what this is, but I'm just going to ask you because you will. Are AMH levels a true indication of fertility? 
Love it. So <laughs> the AMH or anti-malarian hormone is a test that we do to basically detect a woman's fertility potential. Okay. Um, it's supposed to be sort of how many eggs have you got in the kitty, basically. Yeah. It's very interesting, this test. I have long loathed the AMH test. Okay. Um, <laughs> mostly because I've never met a woman that I couldn't improve her AMH, which makes me wonder, is the test all it's cracked up to be? Because technically we're supposed to be born with all of our eggs. We're supposed to be born with a certain amount of eggs. It's a, it's a, you know, there's a number, whatever that number is, that's how many we have and we know that they decline as we get older. Mm-hmm. Um, if that is true, how is it that I'm able to make someone's AMH improve oh. if technically no improve? I've yet to not, I've seriously, hand on heart, never seen someone's AMH go down. Okay. Um, so, you know, I know it's a very questionable test. Um, I've spoken to lots of people about this test and got everyone's opinions. I think it's very grey. I think it depends on when the test was taken, how long it takes for them to sample the blood, who's reading it. Um and even then, I think it's just not a true indication. I have a theory, and I think that our body will always put its best foot forward when it can mm. and will. But when we are not operating out of a place of abundance in our health mm. um, and there's this internal deficiency that's going on, I just think that our eggs, are, I don't know, they go into hiding. Yeah, our body <laughs> knows that it's not the right time to have a baby. Yeah. Correct. It's protecting. Yeah. So we can get so frustrated with our mm. body and we can be like, I hate my body. Why is it doing this to me? Yeah. This is a common thing I see in the clinic. Okay. And I just want to remind women that your body's doing exactly what it should yes. under the circumstances. That's and right. you should be pretty proud of it for doing that. Mm. It's protecting you, which I know is hard to hear, yeah. but it also can be motivation to do something different, like I said before. Mm-hmm. So AMH is definitely not a... Uh, you wouldn't put all your eggs in that basket, that's for sure. <laughs> Good pun. That's <laughs> um, And you would, um, I do talk about this again in my book as well, how to improve your AMH, and that's just by improving your fertility on the whole. Mm. The bonus of all of this, like I said, given it's at the bottom of the ranking order, you you improve everything. Yes, that's um, right. It's not you just improve fertility. And again, there's that one thing, like I just want yeah. to improve my fertility. <laughs> I love that that's motivation, but guess what? As a bonus, you get to improve everything yeah. along the way. Which I love yeah. because you can't lose out. It's never going to be a waste of time. You're never yeah. going to get to the end of it and go, well, that was useless. Yeah. It's, it's totally worth all of that. So, yeah, definitely don't don't take AMH as a be-all and end-all. Mm, that's good. Now, what about the people who are actually trying not to get pregnant? So can we talk about contraception? Mm-hmm. This is a, um, like we know the pill's not great. If you want to just go ahead and explain why and, and – um, Maybe go ahead and explain about sure. any other contraceptive devices because there's a few questions about those as well. Sure. I've long gotten trouble about talking about the oh. pill and my disorder. <laughs> hey, I'm very happy to admit that. I have gotten myself in a lot of hot water over oh, it. You and just again, say what you want to say. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm very happy. I, I, Joe, I've worked out ways. It's not about what you say. It's about how you say yeah, it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So I think this is the fact. Let's stick with the facts. Okay. And the facts are that the pill is the number one most prescribed drug worldwide mm. and it is used for so many other things other than for contraception. Yes. And I think that's where the problem lies. Yeah, and that's if why you are I was it, given it at 19 for my um, ovulation yeah. pain and pimples. and mm. Yeah, because you had a hormone imbalance yeah. that nobody ever bothered to, to say, check hey, into. we should probably try and fix 
hormones first, yeah. you know. Here's the pill. And look, I think I'm not bagging out any forms of medicine. I think that there can be a place for these things. Sometimes it can save somebody and it can give them a minute where they just need to mm -hmm. get their thoughts together and yeah. work out their plan of attack. And we often say that, that on this podcast, you know, that there's times when you may have to resort to these things, but it's good to know the pros and cons. Not, yeah, and it's not a viable long-term solution. No. And that's where I get my knickers in a knot. Yes. Um, and... And I just, we always talk, I just think it's funny, knickers in a knot, eggs in one basket, we're really <laughs> You're doing well. You're doing well. Juan <laughs> would so be proud I, of you. <laughs> totally. Well, it's prescribed for everything from period pain through to uh, depression, PMS, ovulation pain, missing periods. That's the one that makes me laugh the most because there is no way on this earth the pill has ever been able to give somebody a period. Yeah. It gives you a withdrawal bleed. Right. And this is what women aren't told. They're not told you're not actually having a period. You are just withdrawing from the hormones that you've been taking to give your body an, you know, a rest and then you're going to go back on and start the process again. Right. And, you know, it it doesn't allow your hormones to go through their natural ebbs and flows each mm. and every month. And if the natural ebbs and flows are imbalanced, that's when you're going to get symptoms and that's what you need to look at. What yeah. is your body telling you? What is it trying to communicate to you that needs to be fixed? And I can tell you that signs and symptoms far outweigh any test result for most people because it's it's real life. It's what ha in real time. Yep. And I find that, that tests are, can be a really good guide, but they are not definitive mm. and, and unfortunately that's just the nature of them. So, yeah. And it depends who's reading it and, you know, mm -hmm. we can go right into that. But, um, so I, that's where I have issues with the pill and because like all medications, unfortunately, it has its way with our gut and yeah. our liver and really causes some major disruption. It's pretty noisy. Yeah. Um, you know, no one's saying, oh, Joe, we need you to take the pill. But, hey, whilst you're doing that, we really should be on a multivitamin, a fish oil and probably some probiotics yeah. and prebiotics. That'd be okay. Yeah. And then you might go, oh, you know what, okay, well, I get that it's a drug, but at least I'm trying to be proactive. Yeah. And, look, the pill is bigger than that mm. and generally most medications have a major impact. But at least we are doing something to support our body all the while. Yeah. And I'll say to patients, look, I can maybe improve your health by 40% maybe if you are taking medications. Um, it's not to say that we wouldn't want to do that. Of course we would. But, again, I always say to patients, I want you on the lowest to no dose of any yeah, medication. Definitely. Alongside your doctor, and I'll work alongside people's doctors all the time. I have great relationships with lots of doctors, mm -hmm. um, and that's what we aim to do because most, med most medicines, not just the pill, are not necessarily a long-term yeah. viable solution. That's right. And usually it's treating a symptom and not a problem. And so doctors love this because it, it keeps their patients happy. Yeah. And why wouldn't they love it? So it's great. We're really turning a corner with this stuff. That's so, good. yeah, the pill... Really, it can't fix our problems that we've been led to believe it can. And it's only now that the long-term effects of it are mm. really coming to light and we are accepting that we are living at a time with major hormone imbalance and this is one of the contributing factors. Yeah. Mm. What about the, is it Implanon? Uh, Implanon. Yeah, that thing. I put them in the same basket. Mm -hmm. The Implanon, Rena, the Copper IUD, um, I mean, the copper IUD is a little bit different, but the Implanon and the Marina are both releasing synthetic hormones into your body. Yeah. I have, it's not ideal. No. It's, do, it's doing the same thing. It's 
except you're not even getting a break in between. My biggest gripe with any intrauterine device is that they often migrate to other areas of the body oh. and then they need to be surgically removed Ew. and that can cause a whole lot of other issues. That sounds so, awful. You know, <laughs> also, let's not forget, I only ever see the women that are hating on their bodies, not loving their hormones. And, you know, I don't see the women out there that are on the marina going, this is the best choice I ever made. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't need me. So I can't comment on them. I can only comment on the ones that I see yeah. and the research that I see. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, the marina seems to be taking over from the pill. Yeah. At least the pill, if you choose to take it, you can you can also stop taking it when you need to. Mm. So if you're not going to take the pill, this is the number one thing I get asked, I guess, is, well, if not the pill, then what? Mm. And I'll say, look, the biggest gift a woman can learn is understanding her own body. Yeah. And sadly, we've disconnected from that because of synthetic contraceptions mm. have done the work for us. Um, you know, I've been with my husband for 15 years, we have two beautiful children. They were both conceived the months that we tried to conceive them yeah. and I don't want any more babies and I'm fairly much testament to saying if you know your body, you can never get it wrong. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I've had doctors say to me, oh, you'll be back, you'll have a whoopsie. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I actually would love a whoopsie because that's probably the only way we're going to have another baby. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. Like I think we're at a point where, like, you know what? There's just a lot going on, and I think that would be really unfair. Yeah. But that was probably the only way it would happen. There is no way known I could have a whoopsie. I understand what my body is telling me <laughs> each and every day, and I hope I could be proven wrong. But um, to date, <laughs> we're kind yeah. of getting. I'm I think of all people. Of I think of all people, <laughs> the the whoopsie probably wouldn't happen to you. <laughs> you know. So I, I think that we underestimate yeah. our bodies and, you know, we take something that flatlines our hormones for 28 days of the cycle yeah. when there might only be three or four of them that we're actually fertile for. That's yeah. just bizarre. Yeah, that's true. So, I, yeah, I teach women how to understand their bodies. I have that's an e-course awesome. called Debunking Ovulation and, and that's what it's about. It's about how to understand your body, mm. what it's telling you, when you're fertile, when you're not, yep. how to use that as contraception or prevention or whatever you want to call it. Can't call it contraception because it's not synthetic. Yes, okay. So it's called pregnancy prevention Um, and really learning to understand your body and that to me is the most valuable thing. I also get in trouble because people say, well, it's really irresponsible to be sending a message out to young women that they shouldn't be taking contraception. Hmm. Um, I think that's just weird to say that. Yeah, I think that's weird too. It's very ambitious to think that a 15-year-old can remember to take a pill at the same time every single day. Mm. But my biggest, biggest, biggest issue with this is that if 15-year-old girls are not using protection when they're having sex and they're they're exposing themselves to STDs, Mm. STDs cause a magnitude of problems. Some of them are not reversible Mm. and that really that then that argument doesn't fly with me no. because condoms are pretty effective if they're used properly. So I'm all about, you know, I know it's a bit high school, but if you're really worried, then a barrier method is your best option. Um, and I think that, yeah, information is power. What about really? people that have that want to do natural birth control um, mm-hmm. but they're having a lot of trouble with their health or broken sleep cycles and so the charting and temperatures and things like that don't work and... Um, they're just finding all that kind of thing difficult. What would you say they're basically a barrier method? <laughs> barrier method, but also why is it not clear? Yeah. There has to be a reason why your your body's doing weird things. Well, I know, um, um, for instance, one lady that's in my GAPS program, I know her quite well, and she's 
major histamine issues, a lot of gut issues. They've been working really hard to heal, but it's taking a long time. They've got the MTHFR problems and all sorts of stuff. So for her, it's it's very difficult. Mm. Well, I think the thing is that if she was to go and use something like a marina or an implant or even the R copper IUD, I think she'd probably find that her symptoms would be eventually pronounced and worsened yeah, yeah, definitely. as a result. So she's kind of not really got that option, I wouldn't no, think, anyway. I don't think she'd go there anyway. Yeah, right. So I think that oh, it's very hard. I get it. And it's, sometimes it is a battle and, you know, we're all genetically different. Mm. And I think this is the challenge is that we are – we are um, predisposed to things and you can we can thank our parents for that. We don't really get to choose what the genes give us. What we can do is try and identify what, what those are and try and influence our genes to behave in a certain way and epigenetics is, you know, such a wild field. Mm. But at least if we can understand genetically what's going on, then we can start to find ways to trick our genes into behaving better. But, you know, we can do that also by our diet and our lifestyle and yeah. our, our thoughts and, uh, you know, so many so many things. Um, I think for this person that you're particularly talking about, unfortunately she kind of has to keep on keeping on. Yeah, um, that's it, Eventually it? the corner does get turned. Mm-hmm. But also the tricky part, and I don't know her, mm-hmm. but the tricky part is that, you know, the, the mindset and the mind around that yeah. needs to really you've got to check in with that all the time because it can be easy to default back to hate my body, why is this happening, yeah. you know, I knew better and just to be really kind and, yeah. and you know, accept what is and then what are we going to do yeah. moving forward. That's my, Mindset is a powerful thing. Yeah. Um, just quickly before we change topic, the copper IUD I get asked about a lot. I find it causes hideous ho- um, hormone issues mm. because it's copper and when there's too much copper in your body that can lead to a host of other issues including excess estrogen, um, it really depletes zinc and, mm. um, you know, we just need to be really mindful. Mm. Um I guess for a short period of time, if you had to sit me down and hold a gun to my head, I might go, all right, maybe that would probably be the best option for a short period of time. Um, I don't know. There's not really an ideal choice other than barrier methods really are your best friend. Mm. And your um, e-book, sorry, I should just get you to explain that. Um, so people can go onto your website and download the Oh, yeah, so we have, I didn't tell you this yeah. at the start when you're like, what else do you have? <laughs> we have e-book. Because <laughs> I remember we that have, those were quite helpful. I've, I've had a few people talk about them. Yeah, so we have um, we have four e-courses. I'm, I'm in the process of putting a fifth one together, but all in good time. Yep. <laughs> um, debunking ovulation, debunking PCOS, uh, debunking stress and debunking your thyroid. So each was just a natural progression to the next because I discovered women didn't understand their bodies first and foremost. Mm. So we created debunking ovulation. And then there was all these women with polycystic ovaries and or the syndrome or endometriosis as well. Mm. And that e-course was created more for them. But one of the things I kept saying in debunking PCOS was, oh, you've got to learn to manage stress. Yeah. And people were saying, well, how do I do that? <laughs> yeah. But then we created debunking stress and then you know so many other women had thyroid issues that were affecting their fertility and their hormone balance so then we created debunking your thyroid but the final of those e-courses well we I don't know whether we say final but the next one will all be about emotions and emotional health and well-being because I think that's part of the missing puzzle Mm. for so many people 
the biggest challenge. Well, that's really good. Um, so back to the contraception. So what about the um, tube tying sort of thing? You mentioned in passing that that's not great. Um, like after menopause, your ovaries are needed for something. So can you talk about that? Sure. Um, I don't know about tubal litigation when they tie your tubes. I know a lot of women get pain from that. I guess okay. it's not a bad option. Um but I would say that um, hysterectomy where they don't mm-hmm. leave the ovaries, um, your ovaries are really important throughout your whole life. Obviously, throughout your reproductive years, they are what is releasing an egg for ovulation and then, you know, we need that to either make a baby or we shed our lining and we start all over again. Mm-hmm. As we get older, the ovaries want to pass their job on to the adrenals in terms of um, making certain hormones. Um, but also they start to make other hormones like testosterone. Well, not start to. They start to make it in higher amounts, I should say, or okay. make more um, of certain hormones. And if we don't have our ovaries there to help us make things like testosterone, um, that can be a disaster mm. for women once they transition through menopause if they don't have any testosterone. A woman that's going through or has gone through menopause has more testosterone in her body than um, I think it is something ridiculous like a teenage boy or something wow. along those lines. Why it's is that? a lot. Um, it becomes our, one of our major hormones mm. and we need it. Okay. And it gives us our drive. It stops us from things like vaginal dryness. Yeah. It, 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 you know, keeps us alive and well. Okay. Um, so it is really important that we keep our testosterone in check. I'll have to find what that quote is. I remember being blown away by yeah. it. I read it. I've written it somewhere. It's a lot of testosterone. I can't remember if it was a teenage boy at the start of um, puberty or what it was. Anyway, anyway, bottom line is we still need it. Mm. And if our ovaries aren't there, the only other thing that's making very small amount of testosterone is our, our adrenals. But the tricky part here is if we're really stressed and our adrenals can't take on the role of the ovaries, the ovaries become a little bit frustrated and menopause becomes a pretty lengthy and problematic time. Mm. So each is relying on each of these endocrine either glands or organs is relying on the next for certain things to happen. And if that chain is broken or disrupted, it will lead to hormone imbalance. So I would say where possible, you know, A, if you're having – one of the main reasons women have a hysterectomy is because of heavy bleeding. Mm. If you're having heavy bleeding, it's probably because you've got too much estrogen in your body and that's where I would start. Okay. And at least once you've cleared estrogen, you can then see what you're left with right. and then go, all right, well, we had to do that first to get to this and see, oh, well, actually the crux of the issue is the adrenals are not playing the game or whatever it might be. Yeah. But you have to start with that and I gave you some good tools at the beginning as to where mm. you can start to make inroads around that. Um, but... Yeah, I would always be looking to why. And, of course, there are instances where hysterectomies save lives and we're not disputing that at all. But I think that there's a, it shouldn't be a first point of call right. and we should explore the options. And also, once we know why, chances are the reason why is going to probably affect your long term. Mm. So if you're just removing the evidence of the problem and you're not fixing the root cause, it's going to manifest somewhere else. Yeah, that's right. You know, this is the same I find really interesting with something like the BRCA gene and women having breast removal or augmentation because they've been or they've found that they have their carriers of the BRCA gene. It's like, well, your reproductive system doesn't just stop at the breasts. It is a whole Mm. system and we need it. And that worries me that we might be making these decisions without having the full understanding of what's going on. 
It's just that, and, you know, another example of this is um, abnormal cells in the cervix. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of women are being diagnosed with abnormal cells. I was one of them. And our initial shotgun reaction is just remove the cells. They're dangerous, <sighs> which is just like scraping the surface off. It's like pulling the dead leaves off a tree. Yeah. It's sort of like, doesn't fix it. Why are they dying? So, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's sort of like, I remember doing that. I remember one day being in the yard going, oh, this tree's all lovely, but it's got these dead leaves. And I started pulling them off. I'm like, this is an awesome analogy because <laughs> this is actually what we do so often yeah. is we remove the evidence yep. of the problem. We go there, we don't fixed. actually fix it. Yeah, it's all like, better. <laughs> so, exactly. So again, I don't say to women, don't do that. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, if that's necessary, let's do that. But let's look at why. Yeah. Let's, you know, root endometriosis. Cause. Why are those cells growing? Why mm-hmm. is your body doing this? And really get to the root cause so that you can actually create change, like we said before. Yeah. Um, one lady who, another one in my gut health group who has had terrible trouble with, um, she had the, what do you call it, HG during pregnancy? Um, yes. So severe nausea, vomiting. She got very, very thin. I think she's got four mm-hmm. kids and so she mm-hmm. she's always done the natural planning for um contraception and for 10 years and the last pregnancy was a was a accident <laughs> um <laughs> and she's been going she's been working on healing the gut through gaps and yeah. um she said her usual fertility signs were absent but she was ob- obviously still fertile because she got pregnant like she it was very hard for her to tell so that's yes. why she was thinking of maybe she should just get her tubes tied for someone like that um i guess again you, the only thing you can really say is barrier yeah well you know what there's another really great guy you should check out his name is dr sean tassone he's in the u.s yeah um he is a gynecologist and reproductive medicine man, mm-hmm. and he started doing these. Um, have you ever heard of the Assure device? No. It's like a coil that they were in, they were placing in the uter- the tubes, and the coil would cause scarring oh. to grow, and then the scarring would block the tube. Right. So it was like it's tubal litigation, but they were using these coils anyway. Um, he had performed several hundred of these procedures and he was having all these women come in with excruciating pain. Oh, poor things. Basically, I know, right? And, you know, they weren't told that that was possibly a side effect and he didn't know. He was like, yeah. well, I don't know what's going on. Everyone tells me it's safe. Anyway, he started to get pretty noisy and vocal about these devices and how he was having to remove them and the long-term effects. And it actually has probably been the best thing that ever happened to him because he now is very holistic in his mm-hmm. approach. He's amazing. But... You know, it was in, it's really interesting to talk to someone of, of, you know, that deals with this all the time. And we were talking about men having a vasectomy mm-hmm. in the same vein because I've always said, oh, just send them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we were saying the other day. It's the same sort of thing, really. Yeah, right? Yeah. We were saying the other day, where does the semen go then? Exactly. And he's like, well, this is the question. Yeah. He's like, this is why we get antibodies. And he's like, I don't think that there's a perfect sterilization. Yeah. He's like, I don't think this is actually a great long-term solution. Yeah. And, you know, we really got to think about the long-term consequences. So I don't know how to answer mm-hmm. what the best is. I think we need to collect all of the facts and then sit with what feels right for yeah. us each individual yeah. and go from there. And I know, you know, we get to a certain age when we probably don't want any more babies and that's fine. Mm. Um, I, I still come back to 
you know, how can we understand our body best? And yeah. there is going to be a few dodgy situations where we're not going to know. Yeah. Um, but I think for the majority of women, yeah. that that generally their bodies do run pretty smoothly if you give them the attention that they need. Yeah. Oh, we're running out of time. I've still got heaps of questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, can we quickly move on to periods? Yes. Um, yes. So people with irregular and painful periods and um, one lady was mentioning that she had terrible periods her whole adult life until about three years ago when she went paleo and then doing gaps. It really helped. And she said, now they're regular and pain-free, but since having kids 11 years ago, the first two or three days are exceptionally heavy. And she's not sure if that's, is that a natural thing? Is that bad? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what's interesting is, and um, this is so to totally the title of my next book, not this one coming, but the one after. I'm very <laughs> lucky that my publishers are like, keep writing. Oh, that's awesome. Because... No one talks about what happens to our bodies after we have babies. It's yeah. just like, you know, you're generally in your mid-30s and um, you'll be fine until you're about 50-something yep. and then you might go through menopause. We still are cyclic. Things yeah. still change. They get our periods change and then they change again and then they're probably going to change again. And so mm -hmm. I think women need to understand that generally, whether, whether you've had kids or not, your periods tend to get heavier before they then get lighter, okay. before they then get irregular, before you go through menopause. Right. So I think it's important. But also what I would want to know, is she estrogen dominant? Because uh, yes. the whole point of estrogen is to build, well, not the whole point, but one of the things it does is builds your lining yes. each and every month. So if you can imagine that at the start of the month, the lining's really thin, you, you've got a period, you shed that, estrogen starts to kick in to build the lining. It's building, building, building until you get to midway through the cycle, progesterone kicks in. And then the, the it, it's the opposite of that. It starts to decline, decline, decline until it then sheds again and, and, and you start the process all over again. Now, the thicker the lining, the more there is to shed, yeah. the heavier a period is going to be, right? Yeah. So we need to get estrogen in check. And if estrogen is in check, and the best way I find to do that is to regulate through the liver. Mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to clear. Your body's very clever to clear excess hormones generally through the bowel and they will bind to fiber mm -hmm. um is is to also look at all right i've done that still heavy then i look at someone's gut and just make sure that that's all in check as well okay so she's done that so but she might still be estrogen dominant mm -hmm. and i would say start to look at regulating the liver a really simple liver cleanse can often be really useful mm -hmm. um, is that your next ebook <laughs> it's actually a free that's actually a free course on my website oh, it's you're, really called you're the, the best. five day cleanse course there sorry what was it called five, it's called the five day cleanse course there you go it's, it's yeah, basically just hold your hand through five days of cleansing, sets you up from the beginning, yep. eases you in, mm -hmm. then bang, you're in it. And yet people generally hate me for the first three days. This is like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, this is my version of hell. And then come day four, I get emails like, oh, my goodness, Nat, this is just the best feeling. Aww. Can I please keep going? Oh, that's good. <laughs> Very funny. Very funny. And if someone does have heavy periods, is there some something they can – someone just asked about progesterone cream and things like that so basically you don't need that you just need to work on decreasing correct. estrogen correct you know yeah. what we're mad for the one thing there's yeah. the one thing yeah. like oh well wow, like, yeah <laughs> well it's it's really common and i'm really glad you just asked that yeah. because what happens when we have high estrogen is generally we have low progesterone yeah 
That's just by nature. Mm -hmm. So we go, oh, we'll just give you some progesterone. And then the body goes, but estrogen's still high, so I'm still going to have all these crazy symptoms. Just because you've given me progesterone does not fix the problem. If you could naturally lower estrogen, progesterone will naturally rise. Right. Perfect. Um, See if there's anything else that I can fit in quickly. Did you want to mention anything about endometriosis? Because that's sort of, and PCOS, because that's sort of a big part of what you do. Yeah, so I think the facts of that don't really change. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a genetic um, component, like we spoke about before, whether or not you get dealt PCOS, thyroid issues, endometriosis, um, IBS, whatever. Um, it really does come down to your genetic predisposition. That doesn't mean you can blame it on your genes mm. or just go, well, my mum had this, so I have it, so I'll just accept it. Um, I think that we can always set our body up from optimal health and we've just got to work out where to start. And that can be tricky. That's why you recruit someone generally to help you. Um, But I would say that what I've been speaking about doesn't really change, whether it's endo, PCOS, infertility, still start with getting your estrogen in check, get your gut working properly, your liver happy and see what you're left with. Yeah, Yeah, and see what you're left with. And very often... That cannot be enough. Um, but all the while, you can't just not do all of that and not look at where stress is coming from. Yeah. You do need to remove stress, definitely. Do you ever notice any links with parasites and endometriosis or anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, definitely. That's another whole <laughs> issue. <kettle of fish. laughs> okay, we won't go there, but yes. <laughs> no, but I will say this it's just another stress. On your well, body, isn't it? it? It's just another form of stress. So that's, that's something to look into. So again, yeah, definitely. Yeah, parasites are pretty tricky to deal with, but once you get there, t- Chinese medicine is amazing for dealing with parasites. Oh, that's awesome to know. Um, I know in gaps, the recommendation is work on healing the gut for a, for at least you know a few months, and then mm-hmm. deal with the parasites because if you have um, like high toxicity and a lot of gut issues, the parasites will just revamp up again you absolutely know. Yeah. and this is very chinese medicine okay. as well i am not from the clearing school i am from the the nourishing school yeah, and that's right. you need to build yeah. to then be able to make the body strong enough to then deal yes with what you need next to give it yeah Perfect. definitely that's what we always have heard yeah um for those going towards the menopause side of things um mm-hmm. have someone asked some um, they've seemed to see sorry they've seemed to have gotten an increase in autoimmune issues with menopause is that common mm-hmm. well i think the change in hormones is quite interesting um and can can cause all sorts of weird and wonderful things mm. to happen um i think any event within the body that causes stress is going to possibly trigger all sorts of things to happen so i'd say that's what's happening there is that they've already probably got some underlying hormone imbalance which the body is finding stressful to transition and therefore then their immune system is lowered and Mm. and they're getting these other other unwanted signs and symptoms um really all the things that you've talked about are things that help with autoimmune as well (laughs) that's exactly right like yeah, exactly, and this is what I love. You know, we've yeah. complicated this we so do. much, and and, and, and separated it all into little boxes as if there's going to be a fix for each different one. Where really, it's the same fix. Correct. Yeah, I think the Lots reality of- is that look, it is a complex system, yeah. but let's simplify it so that we can actually use it to our advantage. Mm-hmm. And you know, there is systems within systems, and we can dig right into yeah. you know various axes 
the hormone axis of the body. And but there's but basic first don't steps start, for everyone. Correct, and mm. you have to start with those. Yes. And if you don't, then you can't jump. You can't jump. You know, you can't. You can't walk before, run before yeah. you crawl, or whatever the thing is. You so need basically, to move through. whether you're going through, um, you know, PCOS or terrible periods or menopause or moodiness or sleep problems or hair falling out or. Um, all of those things really you've got to start with those first things that you talked about which is detoxing your body and your home lowering stress mm. and working on a, a nutritious easy to digest diet yeah and get them yeah is that definitely what you get the mind happy to, yeah, to wrap 100%. things up would you say uh, yes yeah so the stress that would be included in the stress yeah the emotions absolutely and, you've got to remove the driver you know yeah. we can go and eat the most plentiful diet mm-hmm. and and you know get the right amount of sleep and exercise well but if every day you're telling your body the wrong thing then another none of it's going to work mm. so the mind is really hard and i get, get that and appreciate that but you know I have those patients all the time that say, but I do everything that you tell me to do. And I'm like, well, that leaves us with one big piece of the puzzle and that's your, your, what's your mind saying. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Well, I think that was um, – I'll just mention here that I had an appointment with Nat recently and I think, like you say, the stress thing. At first when you said, have you been stressed, I was like, no, I don't think so. I'm fine. I feel fine. And then after I get off the phone, I start thinking and I go, well – I suppose oh, I was I was stressing out this morning about the kids doing such and such and I was, you know, like feeling no. overwhelmed with my work and, um, you know, I have been pretty tired because I've been travelling for a week and had I know, right? such a heavy you know what patients the whole say time to me? I was away. And <laughs> Absolutely. Patients say their default answer to that when I say, I don't even ask someone if they're stressed anymore. A, I ask them what they do for work, so I work backwards. Okay. But anyway, if I say to someone, are you stressed? Oh, no more than the average, or I cope pretty well with stress. Yeah. No, that's not what I'm asking. <laughs> because when, when I think of are you stressed, I think of um, am I crying, am I feeling depressed, am I feeling anxious, am I having panic attacks? No, I'm not doing any of that. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know, you know? I know. I know we do, but this is we've got to catch that yeah. out because if we don't change that, nothing's going to change. That's right. So relaxation is a big thing and um, is. pulling back from all the crazy and getting to bed early and um, learning to say no and all of those Absolutely. things. Absolutely, all of that. Mm. It's really hard, but we, we must. I'll be right. I actually have gotten better, heaps better at that. Um, but, yeah, it's always something to work on, isn't it? Absolutely. Okay. We, can never, we can never stop with that, unfortunately, yeah. but good it's you know good reminders we've got to constantly be reminding ourselves it's very hard we do well thank you so much nat i've taken up a lot of your time but um if anyone has any questions for you can they go onto your facebook page or how do you yes of course yeah? please okay. um facebook instagram any of those i like to try and communicate on there as much as i can um but yeah you know just my website has so much information yeah. and i know you'll put the link somewhere yes i would say just go over there and search that's right like if you've got a question search download it, those ebooks are, they're really yeah, helpful there's lots, there's lots of helpful things and then you've got your, your book which is what is what is it called again i've forgotten well and good. well and good yeah well and good yeah totally and the new one coming out is actually aimed at young women so that'll be very exciting because i oh, think that's, that's really yeah where i'm we looking need forward education. to that i'll get that for my daughter um and yeah. also your program how can they find that uh, your membership so much, sorry 
Yep, head to the website and you'll find it all there. There's a big, 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 big <laughs> banner. You can't miss it. Yeah. You don't get the choice to miss it. Yeah. It's impossible. <laughs> so if you need super-duper help, get into that group and, and um, yeah, that will be awesome. perfect. And, and you also you can do... Try it out for a dollar. It's a dollar for seven-day trials, wow. so you might want to do that before That's you great. commit. Yeah. yeah. And you do, are you still travelling a bit? We are going to New Zealand next Ooh. month. Um, that's very exciting. Where so will you I'm be very, over there? I will be in Auckland okay. and then we are actually doing a New Zealand tour next year. Awesome. Um, I've got a few events scattered around. Most of them are in Melbourne at the moment mm-hmm. coming up. But um, we did. We travelled for the first half of this year so I don't need to take yeah. the second half off. Yeah. As you know, yes, it's pretty hard. <laughs> Along with kids. We will no doubt. Yeah, definitely next year there'll be something else on the radar for sure. Okay, and they can find out about all of that on your website, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Well, thank you so much and we really appreciate it because, you know, these things are things that do stress us out and make it all the all the worse for us. So we're going we're gonna to work on detoxing and de-stressing and improving our diet, aren't we, girls? <laughs> Love it. And if I can help in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Nat. Love you. Thank you for having me. Bye, love. See ya. Bye. This has been a production of com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.